Welcome to Talking Social Studies. You're listening to episode 23, Talking Technology and Social Studies with Tom Mullaney for January 10th, 2019. This is the podcast where we talk about social studies and education today. Here you will find conversations about strategies, resources, ideas, and more all designed to help with today's social studies teachers impacting their students. This podcast episode features Tom Mullaney, digital learning coach at Carroll Middle School in Durham, North Carolina. You can find him on Twitter at at Tom E. Mullaney and TomMullaney.com. So I'm Amy Presley. Currently, I'm a high school teacher at Oklahoma's largest high school near Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can find me on Twitter at STLNOK. And you can find our podcast team on Twitter at at T-A-L-K-I-N, talking, S-S. I'm really digging this additional question we have kind of added to our intros, intros for today and the show notes because I don't know that we've ever really fully discussed our individual journeys. I know we've brought up certain bits and pieces, but not kind of the whole thing at once. So this is super cool for me. Uh, for me, I decided to cave because it had been suggested, but I had ignored um, becoming a teacher when I was about two years into my studies and realized I did not have the ability to emotionally disconnect um, the way I would have needed to to pursue my original plan for psychology. Um, In fact, my high school coach still teases me about how she pegged me as a teacher before I did. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a double major in both secondary ed and history from Webster University's main campus and then started my teaching career for teaching middle school for Rockwell School District in the St. Louis area. And the year after my oldest kiddo was born, I switched to teach for their rival high school next door and was teaching history and government for, I was there for about seven years at Northwest High School. And while I was there, I got my master's in education from Lindenwood. And in 2013, for me, um, I wound up moving to Oklahoma because my spouse was offered a position as a regional corporate chef. And so we moved the whole family. Um. And once I started working here, I went back to school again to pursue a doctorate this time in educational leadership with Oklahoma State University. And next week marks my halfway point. I'm so excited. Uh, (laughs) um, So, Tom, I see that you also have experience with middle school kids. So you want to introduce yourself and tell us how the heck you wound up being a digital learning coach, which is a super cool title, by the way. Thank you, Amy. And I am thrilled to be here. And we have something in common in that we have worked across more than one state. So what brought me to being a digital learning coach was I was teaching eighth, ninth, and 10th grade. So I was actually between two buildings, middle and high school in Springfield Township, Pennsylvania. And that was going great. My students had just gotten Chromebooks that really ignited some real fire in me. And that made me a better teacher. And life intervened. My wife and I were sick of the Northeast winters. <laughs> yeah, that's really why we did this. We moved to North Carolina. So the research triangle area in North Carolina, where I just started applying for jobs. And the principal at Gravely Hill Middle School in Eflin, North Carolina, had faith in me to be his digital learning coach. And, and our, that's in Orange County, North Carolina. And they had the vision and the forethought to say, all right, let's have digital learning coaches in our buildings. And I did that. And that went great. And things were going great. And I had this opportunity to work uh, in San Francisco Unified School District's district office. And you live once. So I took it. As far as life out there and, you know, there's a lot of things as far as living in San Francisco. That could be a whole other episode yeah. about <laughs> civics and, and equality and inequality. Long story short, we moved right back to North Carolina after one year. And so another principal, uh, this time in Wake County Schools, Um, had the faith in me to be her digital learning coach at Carroll Middle School. And so that's what I do now. And I work with teachers and facilitate that use of technology. And really, as you said, about, you know, creativity and the four C's using technology. Very cool. That is so awesome. And I can kind of, uh, I'll add to the whole bouncing from state to state thing. Um, Oh, by the way, I'm Chris Hitchcock. Um, You can find me on Twitter at chitch94. I teach uh, world history primarily for IU High School, which is a private online high school that is connected to Indiana University. Um, 
I decided I wanted to be a social studies teacher because my eighth grade US history teacher was so awesome. He made things really interesting and fun. Shout out to Danny Kennard down in Southwestern Indiana. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah, so I majored in, I'm sure he's listening. I'm sure he's probably retired by now. Um, I majored in secondary social studies education and minored in PE and got a coaching endorsement because I wanted to coach cross country and track. Um, and I've taught mostly uh, high school world history with a little US government, anthropology mixed in um, with students in Indiana, moved to New York, then Virginia, then Ohio, and now we're back in Indiana again. Um, and all those moves were precipitated by my husband's need for education and jobs. So <laughs> I blame him for all my collection of teaching certificates. Um, so during these moves, I picked up a master's degree in history, um, as well as two kids who are now secondary students themselves. So now I'm getting the parent end of working with secondary students yeah. <laughs> and not just the teaching end, which is quite a shift in perspective. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of, at, at, when I had my kids, that was, I think I was out when the whole, like when I was teaching in New York or in, and then moved to Virginia, you know, I had, I had made like a simple web page for my classes on the school district website. I went to like some training on that and everybody's like, oh, that's so awesome. You know, the kids can see what their work is and you update it every week. That's amazing. And you know, people were, it was still kind of like, okay, if your parents have email, you can, <laughs> you can contact me this way. And then when I have my kids and I was out for a few years, it seemed like, wow, like I, everything's kind of changed. And then I went into online teaching, which was, which is, you know, a, a, a different thing altogether um, in some ways. So I've, I've really, found it fascinating to see how much technology has changed and what it allows us to do. It's not a panacea for good teaching or anything like that, which kind of gets us into our next topic. But before that, don't forget that you can find our website with show notes at bit.ly slash talking SS. That does include the G. So it's bit.ly slash T-A-L-K-I-N-G-S-S. So um, speaking of pedagogy, what do you guys think about the whole idea of your guiding philosophy on technology and education, student learning? Um, you know, what comes first, the technology or the pedagogy? What do you guys think? Tom, I'm going to have you take this one the first time. Okay, thank you. So I would say when it comes to technology, my overall philosophy on it is that it, it makes inclusive teaching all the more equitable or maybe equitable teaching all the more inclusive and it makes oppressive teaching all the more exclusive. It mm. can be used like to make, that. yes, it can be used to make the experience for kids inclusive and give them give them multiple ways to learn and to express themselves and to show what they've learned. Or it can be used to take all the traditional structures that hold kids back and make them all the worse. And so to me, that's my, that's the mission is what can, how can technology make school more inclusive for kids, make school less of, less of a prison and more of a place where you go and you learn and you grow your skills. I really like that. Yeah. Explanation. <laughs> Thanks. Chris, how about you? Well, I, you're I, on the online school. So, I mean, you're, you're buried in this. Yeah. And, and people probably people probably think, oh, wow, then you can do all these tools and everything. And part of it is I'm, I feel limited in some ways because my students are not working through their courses at the same time. We have rolling enrollment. And for some of you who've listened to the podcast before, you have heard a little bit of this. But, you know, we students can join our courses at any time and they have six months in which to complete them. And they can go, you know, they can do three lessons a week or they can do one lesson every 10 days, whatever works for them. So my kids aren't all working on any one thing at the same time. Um, so that makes it a bit challenging for the collaboration piece, but technology does make it possible for them to have some form of collaboration. Um, you know, as they, like I use a Padlet wall in a streaming format that's embedded into one of my Canvas pages um, for each lesson 
where students can put a link to a portion of their work that they're supposed to share with others. And since it's in a streaming format, they can find the le a, a student that has worked on this lesson, you know, recently. So a tool like that allows me to have collaboration in, in, a, in an asynchronous and self-paced environment to the extent that that's possible, which I think is really cool. And a lot of the students say that they like that because that's one of the things that they miss being in an online environment is that interaction with other students. So I really like that piece of it and it allows them to share ideas instead of just the learning being between the teacher and, and a student, it allows them to get ideas from others. Um, and my other thought about pedagogy, and I think this is really linked to what Tom was talking about, is that the pedagogy should come first. You should think about what your student, what you want your students to learn and be able to do content wise and skill wise, and then see what technology will allow them to do that in a way that lets them take that learning further, um, whether it's sharing with an authentic audience, whether it's collaborating, whether it is being able to research and create content of their own that they can, you know, share out even outside of their school. So those are some of my thoughts. What about you, Amy? Oh gosh, I'm glad I had you two go first because I'm still <laughs> in the very traditional um, classroom. And I, while I were using Canvas and the kids have gone one-to-one, -one, um, but I find, you know, really my strength as a teacher is the relationship building. So while I, I really like how some of the tools that we have, like the, um, the ability to do a discussion board as a back channel during a Socratic discussion, because I've got some pretty big classes and you can't, to get 35 kids, the chance to talk is difficult. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you know, I mean like, okay, you got 35 seconds. Can you, you know, that doesn't, that it's, it's, the pressure is huge and it doesn't work, but to be able to say, look, we can talk about it in class or you can participate in a back channel. And you know, the kids had the devices open and we're, it, it's a lot more relaxed and it's a lot more friendly. And they're so used to social media that back channeling is like nothing for them. Um, but we can still have that classroom community building. Um, so I, I love hearing from you, Chris, about, you know, kind of how your classroom, because while we teach a lot of the same things, and it's funny because we use a lot of the same lesson techniques, it's experienced so differently for the yeah. kid. Um, but I, I guess personally, I see the technology as, yeah, as an amplifier, as a tool, but I, I still am, I guess, old school enough, which sounds really weird because some of my coworkers would laugh at me calling myself old school. But <laughs> I'm still, I'm still old school enough that, like, I, I really, that's my focus is the is the the relationship building um, with my kiddos, and I use the messenger thing with Canvas and stuff with my kids a lot. And my kids are very comfortable sending me a message the night before saying, "Hey, I'm going to be out tomorrow. You know what? You know, I see that we're doing this in the calendar. Is there anything I can grab from you digitally to you know stay on top of things?" But um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I see so much out there that's so fascinating. Um, and I see like how Matera um, and a few other people have like completely gamified their classrooms using technology. I think, wow. And it's so overwhelming <laughs> at the same time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I, can I have a bite-sized piece of that? Ooh. And maybe Tom can help us with some of those uh, bite-sized pieces from which to kind of jump into yeah, I'm seeing, like, for those of you who have not, you know, you don't have in front of you, those of you who are listening, we've got this show notes thing. And I'm kind of scrolling down a little bit to the favorite tools. And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited to hear a little more of you of these. Oh, yeah. So as far as gamification, I, I, it's a little bit, you know, I think that's a lot like, you know, you were saying you get a little overwhelmed with gamification. Uh, you both mentioned that you use Canvas. And when I hear that, I tense up because to me, that's complicated. Right. I think I think we all have our own co comfort zones. And the thing I would say to any classroom teacher is if it doesn't work for you, then you don't use it. Right. If you can, yeah. there are certain tools that I play with for the better part of 15 minutes and I'm an expert on them and therefore I, I will use them. If that's not the case, then I won't use them. Or if it's something I want my kids to use, I'll find someone like me, my digital, you know, if I was, if I had a digital learning coach in my building or ed tech coach or something like that, or instructional coach, then I would say, Hey, can you train my kids on this? Cause I can't get it. I did that with we video years ago. I said, Hey, instructional coach, this seems complicated to me. Can you walk my kids through it? And he was happy to do so. And now I know we video in and out, but at the time it felt very overwhelming. As far right. as, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, so what, um, 
what could you give us an example of something that you used WeVideo for with your students, like as far as what they did with it? Oh, okay, great, great question. So WeVideo, and so for the, and sometimes the tools and the devices have to match. So if you had iPads in your building, if your kids all had iPads, you would never use WeVideo, right? WeVideo is great for if you're a Chromebook one-to-one, -one, or maybe if you, your kids only have Windows devices, maybe you'd use WeVideo too. It's a web-based editor. It has, it, it actually does have some free, it's like five minutes of uh, recording time, which is a lot, especially, you know, students are not, they're not elite filmmakers. So keep your videos short and simple with them, right? So I had my kids, I, you know, I love Crash Course. I'm sure a lot of, you know, a lot of people yeah. listening have heard of Crash Course. <laughs> Crash Course, to, to me, I think Crash Course, the magic of it is they're just, besides the thought bubble, obviously the thought bubble is by Thought Cafe, it's professional level animation. But if you carve that out and just did every, all the other visuals, they're taking Wikimedia and license friendly, you know, copyright friendly images and using that to tell a story. We all can do that at some level. To me, that's so inspiring that they figured that out. So I had my kids do deeper dives, crash course videos about smaller subjects in our curriculum. So not like a big broad thing, but a crash course, you know, um, crash course uh, bank war. You know, something like that. Okay. Like, so not Crash Course Jackson, but you know, something much smaller, and you know, make it a very, you know, put a group together, figure out your visuals, figure out your script, and go from there. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. I was laughing the other day because we had, um, oh, and I'm gonna, my kids are gonna laugh if somebody's stalking me. I, every once in a while, I wonder if there's a kid that's following, but <laughs> um, they never say anything, but they come in, they chuckle, and I'm like, were you stalking? <laughs> oh, and hey, Amy, as far as gamification, it's not something I've had the ability. I, I haven't done it in my class as an ed tech coach. Um, I would say a couple things about that. Well, I, I've created games, but that's game based learning. That's different than gamification. Yes. Yes. Gamification is where it's like Starbucks rewards, right? You do things. Yeah. And there's a there's a teacher in New Jersey. His name's Chris Avilas. If you go to his blog, you should put that in the show notes. Uh, his, he is really good with gamification and he explains it and he talks about how, you know, kids are basically earning status and power and prestige and they love that. And you, and everything that you have that you would give them, they earn rather than you giving them that they, you know, it's, it's really, I see it. I, I do see that like class dojo and some of those things you have to be careful with. Cause I've yeah. definitely heard some parents who get stressed out by those things. Uh -huh. So I think you have to be careful to do it in an equitable way and in a way that's like fun for the kids too. And you said his name was Chris? Chris Avila is techeduptteacher.com. Ah, teched <laughs> teacher. So notes being created as we yes, speak. as we speak. <laughs> Very awesome. cool. Um, I'll be honest. We were laughing. Um, we have the, the, tech school, the local tech school comes in and does a spiel with our kids to, you know, kind of get kids to sign up and get involved in, in their kind of programs. And they always use the iMovie program. Well, when I do flip notes with my kids, I have Canvas at home and I, you know, spice up my stuff that way. And the kids came in, they're like, Presley, your video is better. I'm like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because I have a program that's a little more complicated. But I love... Um, I hadn't heard of WeFit. I mean, like I had heard of it in passing and my kids do have Chromebooks. So I might have to dig into that one a little bit. Yes, they could do that for free. And by the way, the fact that you take, you make video content or just any kind of content with your subject area content, that tells the kids, oh, I can do this too. You know, that sends that very subtle message. You don't have to say like, isn't it great to be creative? You don't have to say that because you're just, you're demonstrating that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in my case, it was, uh, I use Screencastify. I love Screencastify. Oh, cool, yeah. And so I, I screen, make it in Screencastify. And I actually, I've since bought Screencastify Premium. For me personally, it's worth it. Um, today, if, you, if you're a teacher and you use it, you get that Screencastify bug. I was using it in the classroom before they had the bug. So I have videos on my YouTube channel of me walking through my lessons and they look great. Because Screencastify and my HP 14 Chromebook got the job done. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Screencastify is great for leaving like video feedback to students yep. and students could use it to create things as well. As you were saying, I, I like it um, in similar tools to it to be able to leave, you know, even the canvas 
you know, video recorder um, to leave video feedback. Cause especially for me, you know, students kind of got like, oh, it's robo teacher because I know, you know, we don't have live sessions or anything <laughs> like that. So I kind of like to remind them, hey, I'm an actual person and I have, a, you can hear my voice, you can hear my, um, inflection, you can see my facial ex expressions. Um, so that's, that's, those kinds of tools are really nice for me in the online setting. Very cool. Well, what so, about this kind of like geography stuff? Because we've got some really, um, really cool geography teachers that are, you know, kind of our, our crew here. Okay, well, I think right now we're living in a great time. Just Google, I'm not even talking about anything else that might be out there. But Google has geography and mapping and geography and mapping adjacent software for free right now that is i mean it's incredible what you can both create and consume maybe the creation isn't as exciting let's go over some of the the consumption first actually the creation's pretty good now too all right <laughs> so uh when i think about google and geography obviously there's maps and there's that my maps which my maps is, you know, if you go to mymaps.google.com, you can create your own custom maps. You can put your points of, you know, points in there and all this information and data. And your kids can do that too, which I think is a great way to tell a story, right? There's expeditions, which is completely uh, consumption, but it's just, it's just such a different way of doing things. You, you know, you're looking all around, uh, you know, in 360. They sell the kits for it. If you have iPads, you have Google Expeditions for free right now. Get the Expeditions app on there. You have a window mode into this 360 image. So such good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, from there, Google Earth. Google Earth is so good as far. It, have you guys seen the Voyager stories in Google Earth? I have not checked one of those out. Okay, so if you you know Earth.google.com, right? If you have an iPad, you can use the mobile app. And what happened, so in the the side left menu, there's a uh, it actually has a little um, Gilligan's Island kind of ship steering wheel. Okay. If you tap that, there's content there. And it's in, it's in categories, one of which is history. So if you start typing uh, French Revolution is one, uh, Underground Railroad is, is another, it's a tour in Google Earth that they've curated with all this content and all this good stuff. But, or let's say, you know, you're teaching your kids about say, Haitian revolutions, right? And you want to kind of just do a little overview of Haiti. You type in Haiti into the search engine, it will, for countries and cities, it will give you points of interest. So you could just go through with, with your whole class, with a group of kids. All right, let's go through the points of interest in Haiti and just gives them a picture of it. And it just shows them, Hey, this isn't some crate, you know, this is planet earth. These are human beings just like you and I great for empathy, all sorts of good stuff there. So I highly recommend Google Earth. Uh, the big thing, though, that's come out recently is Tor Creator. Have either of you had a chance to play with Tor Creator at all? Nope. No, okay. I mean, the closest I've come is like Google Expeditions. Okay. So if you've used Expeditions, imagine if you can create your own Google Expedition. That's what Tor Creator is. Oh, cool. Yes. So what it does is you search for a place it shows you the street view, you navigate to wherever you'd like to go, and then you add it as a scene. Once you're in there, you add points of interest, just like in expeditions. And to each point of interest, you can add text, you can add an image, and best of all, you can add uh, voice narration. Now, for, for me, I just go to like onlinevoicerecorder.com and I record quickly what I'm going to say. And then I pop it in there with the, so that way you have both the text and your voice. So good for accessibility, all sorts of good stuff like that. Right. Um, I think, you know, you, you get to a point in your unit with your kids where you say, okay, class or group of students, what are the locations from what we just learned about? You know, and so they might, you know, if it, let's go back to Jackson. Okay. Well, battle of Tippy canoe or not uh, battle of new Orleans. Um, the site, the national bank, uh, you know, you, and you just have kids brainstorm at the end of each unit. What are the locations? Well, then they then create their, their expedition or excuse me, their tour creator tour or expedition, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but just having that conversation of, okay, what are the locations? And then let's look them up and see what we can find there now today. I think that's a pretty good conversation to have with kids. 
Oh, that's awesome. Because I think of like the old fashioned when you would do the trifold, like, you know what I mean? Like you would like the tour salesman thing with kids when you'd have them draw pictures and draw a map. And mm-hmm. and I mean, this is like that on crazy steroids. Like they can actually like take the tour. Oh, yeah, it, it is because what they're going to experience. And then th- so I had a kid do this with um for science the other day about fossil records. And so what they did was they made the locations, the scenes in the tour were places that this dinosaur's fossils are typically found. And then the points of interest were, you know, okay, this is this dinosaur was found here. It was found near fossils of these other dinosaurs. And then they full screened that on a, on, it was like a, you know, one of those Chromebook, HBook Chromebook 11s. And all the kids are looking at this like, oh, why didn't I do this in Tour Creator? This looks amazing, you know? Um, really, really nice stuff for sure. My classes start next week and I am totally going to be having to play with this this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, play with it. it. It's really, it is pretty user-friendly. I mean, I think they released it in May of 2018 and I, I started diving in and it, it's, it works pretty nicely. The only, oh, and you can upload 360 imagery. I personally, I, you know, to me, a 360 camera is a big expense. I'd rather just use Google Street View imagery. It's there. It's free. I can just search it and put it in. Um, But one thing I will say, there's no mobile app. So if your kids are using iPads, it doesn't really work nicely in the browser as far as creating it. And, you know, the editor, Mm -hmm. Uh, you can view them on an iPad. Uh, But other than that, as long as you have some sort of laptop, you will be good to go. Very, very cool. Yeah. All right. What? That's great. Yeah. I know that's something that I've been meaning to do is kind of build some apps or, you know, ask students to or give them that option. Like, okay, do you want to map something, uh, you know, something in particular from this lesson, you know, using Google My Maps? Um, and, but I, I need to create some examples to show them, but so that it just, I need to get in there and play with it. I mean, well, it's, and it's, I'm it's, even, I'm, Chris, I'm even thinking like, okay. Again, I'm going to reference NCSS again, but there was a, like, it was a Japanese samurai, like, mystery whodunit thing where the kids, it was like a DBQ type activity where they got visuals and they got some text documents and these things and the other, and they had to, like, solve the mystery. And I'm going to totally give it away, but in the end, they have to figure <laughs> out that this, this, this was seppuku that occurred. Oh, but okay. it, it was the end result. But I'm thinking, I'm like, you could totally do this as a tour. Like, you could give them the documents and then, like, but just very visual. Instead of, like, oh, here's, you know, here's a document. Here's a black and white picture from the copy machine. Like, they could totally, like, Carmen San Diego this thing. Oh, you, absolutely. And when you think about that, you can add an image, right? So an image mm-hmm. can be anything. If you have a little little bit of reading or just a little passage you can screen cap that that's now an image that can go there um there you know there's so many images really can be anything at all i will give you a great example of this so um so have you guys seen that that website the new uh living new deal have you seen that website so that website's amazing right and it shows the whole why and the impact of the new deal um, so you could have your kids make tours of places and then, you know, that show the new, de- you know, how the new deal is um, still there. But now you have a 360 image to do it with. So that's even better. Um, you know, you could throw, you know, you can get the whatever it might be, whether it's a bridge or a school or whatever it might be. And then as points of interest, you're throwing the logos of the new deal agency up there. Right. So that you can, you know, the kids can make the connection like, okay, this dam is the Tennessee Valley authority or whatever it might be. Right. So. So cool. Like I'm totally like letting us spend way too much time on this one thing probably, but, (laughs) but I'm thinking like, even like local history, you talk about the new deal and I'm thinking like, okay, the original high school for my current school district was a new deal project. Like, and there's other buildings and stuff like you could totally send the kids for, I don't know, and, and, you know, kind of a um, expansion type activity for those who are like, go out there and find this stuff and take pictures and put me to give me a tour town. What's going on here? Where'd this come from? How did it affect you? Yes. And so you can, there is an app uh, that, you know, if, if you have a mobile device, it's called cardboard camera, it's from Google. And it will take 180 pictures, which are not perfect because you have the black at the top and the bottom. 
rather than a 360 image, but those can be uploaded into Tor Creator. So if you have your kids doing those kind of things, you can do that. I'm actually going to do that for, we're having like kind of like a, a celebration at school one night next week. So I'm going to use cardboard camera and Tor Creator and together to kind of make a, a digital visual uh, guide. Okay, if you go down this hallway, this is what you can expect to see, yada, yada. Very cool. Yeah. Well, what else do we have out there? Well, as far uh, as tools. Well, all right. So to me, where I'm kind of at right now is as someone who pays attention to this stuff and is always checking my Twitter feed to see what's the newest and latest. I really love the Google non-core thing. So when I think of Google, I think of the core four, right? Docs, drawing sheets and slides. And then you could add like sites and, and forms as like the, like the two extras in the core, right? Okay. But all these like, Google has all these other side pieces, kind of like, you know, Microsoft has Flipgrid now, right? So mm -hmm. Google has all these other like adjacent apps that aren't necessarily office productivity, but like a tour creator or an exhibitions adds a lot, especially for history teachers of all people. Uh, I will say before I get off the geography subject, if you, anything you're teaching, go, go to Google earth and just search for it. Because if there's a Voyager story, it will come up in the search results and that's just going to be some nice, fun, interactive, nice looking content for your kids. I highly recommend you use that. But the other thing that I'm really excited about in Google, as far as these adjacent things is so you, I don't know how much you, you both use Google drawings. I not use it lot. some, but not as much as I should, but I really like it. <laughs> okay. And, and it is very, very good for graphic organizers. Uh, that space, you know how you have your canvas and then you have that gray space where if you download the image, that none of that's coming, out, coming with the download. Mm -hmm. That's great. You don't have that in Google Slides. You don't have that in Google Docs. That's really cool because you could put notes and instructions and all sorts of things in there. My biggest thing about Google Drawings though, and, and by the way, transparent background, uh, it's a program that has a transparent background by default for free. Yeah. That's amazing oh. for making logos, for making site favicons, whatever it might be. That's like, that is really very powerful and useful. However, my one issue with Google Drawings is that it's misnamed. You don't draw in Google Drawings. Right. You, ne you can't. <laughs> and the research, there was so much research. I could share a couple of links for the show notes about the value of drawing for learning. It's at least right now in the research, it's like, yeah, if you want to learn something, draw it. And obviously there's pen and paper, but digital is nice because, well, one, it saves. And two, I, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect eraser outside of a digital drawing tool. And but Google actually has four separate apps that let you draw. And I, you know, I'm really excited about all of them. Uh, one is Google keep. So you I can love draw, keep. sorry. Yes. <laughs> you can draw either on a blank canvas or on an image in Google keep. Another is auto draw. Have you played with auto draw at all? I have. I yes. have not. Chris, do you want to share about auto draw real quick? So basically it's, it's kind of, artificial intelligence it's you it it tells you to draw something or you start wait i think it do, do you get a draw do you get a is this the one where you it's kind of like pictionary like you start drawing something and the computer guesses what it is so what you just said you start drawing something and the computer guesses that's exactly right yay so <laughs> if you start drawing let's say you you're trying to draw um, saturn Okay. And you draw a circle and you draw a little ring around it. You're going to see a menu of things at the bottom and one might be Saturn, but one might look like earth. One might look like a basketball. One might look like a hockey puck. And you then tap, which one do I want? This auto draw also, it's got a little text input. It's got a little freehand scribble in it too. And there's no sign in required. It's just autodraw.com. It will work on any device. I haven't seen a device that doesn't work on that connects to the internet. That's so cool. And is this the one too, like if you start drawing something, does it kind of fill in for you? It, 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 so it, it shows, it's going to show you things that it thinks you might be trying to draw and it can okay. be frustrating at times. And there's, it's, it's so interesting, like what it has and what it doesn't have uh, as far as the icons that you can create. But anyway, you know, is this a pizza slice? Is it a snowman? Wh whatever it might be. 
And so altogether, you're you're drawing, you know, you're creating all these fun things and you can have a lot of fun with it and and whatnot. Uh, there's no sign in. So and I'm talking especially to maybe more elementary teachers, mm-hmm. but if you have kids that really struggle with sign-on, just get them in auto draw and bam, they can just start creating, right? No sign in. The, the big drawback is that it doesn't save. Mm. You can download right there, but you can't save right away. Or excuse me, you can't come back later and say, all right, I want to edit that. No, you have to download what you've created to save it. But um, is it one of the parts of AutoDraw something that is in the next thing that's on our list, which is Jamboard? That is correct. Yes, oh. yes, yes. So I, I, Google Jamboard is that's uh, it's been a little I'm a, been a little obsessed with it. It's this collaborative white space app, and if you Google the words Google Jamboard, you're going to see basically, hey, we have a device. It's five thousand dollars. Buy it. <laughs> that's and everybody great. has a heart attack and stops looking right, right then. If your district wants to buy some really cool devices, great. As a teacher, you're looking at that and you're and you're saying that's irrelevant to me. Don't worry. There is a, a a mobile app. Get it on your phone, but really on the iPad or a Chromebook. If a, you have a Chromebook that's um, Play Store enabled and has Play Store Play Store access, you can get it there too. It's unreal. It has an auto draw tool. It also has a handwriting recognition tool and a shape recognition tool. And I can import content from my Google Drive or from the web, or I can do emojis, it, all this stuff. And by the way, I can invite collaborators and we all can draw and brainstorm and whatever we wanna do right there in together in real time. And if you're a classroom teacher and your district has enabled it and they just need to turn it on in the admin console. So that's when you complete the ticket or whatever to ask that this be turned on, that's all they have to do. In, in Google Classroom, works just like other G Suite files. Make a copy for each student. Students can edit. Uh, students can view. So you could set it to five kids. You, you all five. Use Here's your jam. Go brainstorm about, I don't know, um, reasons why Jackson was pos- popular. Um, you know, um, here, you, this group, you go brainstorm, create a jam about advantages the North had in the Civil War, whatever it may be. And so you get them uh, drawing and collaborating and putting all this stuff in real time. Lots and lots of fun. I think it would be so useful, too, as a like almost the collaboration part is awesome. And I think it would be great for, you know, making visual things. But I think it would be really cool as far as like collecting research for I mean, it, it, it almost seems like something you kind of use as a, um, like almost a, a digital a digital post-it note collection so you could move things around because that is one of the things you can add to the jams are, are post-it note type of oh. icon things. And then I think you can type on those um, or draw on them. But then, you know, like I, back in the old days when dinosaurs <laughs> were on the earth and I was doing like a research paper, I, you know, I used index cards and I ended up laying them all out on my floor in the living room when I was writing like a 30 page paper for my, you know, a master's research class. Yeah. I still, and, that. I still and, use index cards and I spread them out over the floor and put them in order because I right. can rearrange them. Yeah. And so this, you know, something like that, you know, students could almost do and you know, but they could manipulate them in different ways. They could do that collaboratively with, you know, other students. And I think on the app, and I I don't know if this has been upgraded to the web version yet, you can create new screens that are all part of the same jam. So you can kind of like expand your space. You can't make the canvas itself bigger, I don't think, but you can add like Like layers to that. Yes. So think of it like Google. It's exactly like Google Slides. You can add in Google ah. and Jamboard. It's another frame. Yeah. So you keep adding frames in the web version. So if you go to jamboard.google.com, you will get a streamlined web version, which will have four pens for drawing. It will have those sticky notes that you said, and you can move and resize elements on a, on a jam. That all is there. Some of the higher end stuff is not there. Yeah, it, it works. It's much it's much more fun, as you said, on a tablet or, you know, something where you can use a stylus or you can, you know, draw with your finger or what have you, like on a touch screen. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, a great example of this. I'm sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, you're fine. Uh, a great example of this is I went to a conference and I wanted to blog about something about something that happened at the conference and I'm on a plane coming back. I have no Wi-Fi because I'm not going to pay for the Wi-Fi. And I could type in Google Docs, but I was so tired that just the idea of typing was just absolutely no. I cannot like start even do like notes, like mention this, mention that. I open up Jamboard, no Wi-Fi, and I just start writing out, scribbling out stuff. And I inserted some images that I had on my Chromebook that were part of it. And so I did all this pre-writing without any internet access in this like really nice, you know, really nice, fun little thing. If you're offline, the auto draw won't work uh, because it needs to talk to the internet. But uh, you know, and but other than that, it's like basically, you know, you you get to do everything you want to do, and then it just syncs back up. And by the way, all the jams live in Google Drive; they're all there in Drive, so it saves for later. Great stuff. Yeah. So the the collaboration piece, and then for kids that are visual learners or yes, you know, aren't super great with like typing or you know thinking in text thinking in words if they think in images or you know they can even like you said incorporate pictures they can search the web or bring them in from drive i mean i just think as you know and even with younger kids like for elementary age kids this would be so cool you know even kindergartners could probably do it and then you know add things and manipulate them and organize their ideas for something that they're working on sorry i don't do kindergarten so i like you know, drawing a complete blank about things they could do. But you're exactly right. Yes. So I have oh. seen you share on Twitter some of the things that students have done, some like jams that they've created. So I don't know if you might be able to, um, in the show notes, maybe add a few links or people could go follow you on Twitter and find. No, but I can, I can throw in um, some tweets that I've put it my, I'll just put the links to those Twitter, you know, to those tweets of things that people have done. So I, my middle school, we have iPads and then some kids are more comfortable using laptops. So if I walk into a classroom, I'm not going to be talking to a classroom full of hundred percent using any one device mm -hmm. and Jamboard, I will say has worked out really nice in that situation uh, because once I've put, if I've put anything there with the mobile app and I'm collaborating with you and you're on the web app, the person on the web app can still move, resize. They can do all these different things to um, do it. Oh, and by the way, something I forgot to mention, I guess maybe because this is talking social studies, not talking math, but graph paper is <laughs> one of the possible backgrounds. So oh. if you're a math teacher and you can have infinite collaborative graph paper for free that saves the Google Drive, do that tomorrow. Um, or if, yeah, so yeah, tell your math teacher friends. I'm, yeah. <laughs> You'll be the most popular teacher at school tomorrow when you share this with your math teacher friends. <laughs> I was listening to talking social studies and I got math tips. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. But oh yeah. no, no, that's awesome. No, that's awesome because <laughs> no, I can tell you, like, no, I, okay. So I am, believe it or not, just in the next two days starting an activity where it's totally low tech, but the kids are going to draw how a city goes. And AP World History teachers everywhere know this activity, but it's called the Urban Game, and it simulates a sleepy little town becoming an industrial complex and giving the kids graph paper to do it makes all the difference. Yes. And you're constantly on the hunt for trying to find it. And we've been trying to figure out how to do this digitally. So I'm not carrying around all this, you know, all these papers in a folder everywhere as I'm looking at this. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so you're talking about this and I'm like, Oh really? <laughs> yes. Now I will say for the web app, you can't change the background. But if any teacher has an iPad, they could just create a jam that has graph paper as a background and then share, you know, make a copy for each student or make a copy for, or, you know, uh, students can edit if you do it in groups, whatever you want to do. So. Super, Ooh. super cool. Yeah. That sounds the, like something to play with. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> the, the one last thing I would suggest for playing with as far as drawing is, so Google just dropped this. And by the way, so if you're, listening to this and your kids use Chromebooks, a great website and Twitter handle and whatnot is Chrome Unboxed because yeah. they just, they just, these two or three people, uh, maybe there's some more people on their team uh, in Kentucky and they just love Chromebooks and they just document everything going on with Chromebooks. And in December, they discovered that there's a new website from Google that Google hadn't even started promoting yet called Chrome <laughs> Canvas, not Canvas, ah. the learning management system. But and it's a canvas dot 
apps.chrome, which is the weirdest. Let me just make sure I, I have that right. Yes, canvas.apps.chrome. Type that into your Chrome browser. I will tell you, it does not work on iPad, sadly, but if you have a regular device, it will work. And it is a just a quick uh, drawing and sketching app, web-based. It will uh, save just to the home screen of Chrome Canvas, nowhere, but so it's saved, so you can go back and edit later. And it's got these four tools. The pencil looks like pencil on paper. It looks so nice. <laughs> There's a chalk tool, so it looks like chalk writing on a chalkboard. And the other thing that it has that no other Google drawing, or you know, re what I call like actual Google drawing apps, uh, it has, you know, in, if you've ever played with Adobe Creative Cloud apps, it has sliders for size and opacity. Mm -hmm. So every single tool can be huge or small and it can be super transparent, like a highlighter, or it can be uh, super thick. Chrome Canvas has those sliders for each of the four tools. So that gives it, and it's just like right away, you can go there right away. It doesn't, and I, you know, a lot of teachers ask, annotate a PDF. If you want to annotate a PDF, give, give your kids an iPad and have them use the Chrome, uh, excuse me, the Google Classroom uh, iPad app. They can annotate PDFs all day. They can put emojis on PDFs. But if you just want them to mark up an image or a screen capture of text, uh, Chrome Canvas is a really nice tool for that. I will say I have um, two kids that are both into art. One does a lot on digital art. We have Artflow on our Android tablet, mm -hmm. which I think was free, but it it it's a drawing, you know, like an art drawing um, app. And so the Chrome Canvas, when I showed that to my daughter, she was like, "Oh, this is this is nice," you know, and and she enjoyed playing with like the opacity and transparencies. Um, because that's something that she's used to from the art flow thing. So it's much more of a, like you said, it's much more of a, this is kind of like their art sketching type of offering. It seems like. Well, yeah. This area. Yeah. This is probably where I need to play a little bit more. My, my kiddos gave me one of those Apple pens to go with my iPad. Um, you know, the pencil or whatever for, for the holidays. And I, I mean, I, I, I need to do more with it than what I'm currently doing, which is writing my grocery list. <laughs> well, Amy, <laughs> that's, that's great. And the one thing I would say is, you know, sketch noting is so huge right now, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the sketch notes you see are created in Procreate, which is a paid app, right? Yeah. And there's but nothing it, wrong with that. But if you can do things for free, Oh, do honey, them I for work free. in Oklahoma. I need yeah. free. <laughs> you know, but ain't free, so. you ain't doing it. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Because if it's if it's not free, it's coming out of my pocket. So right. I mean, there's not going to be a budget for that. That's so cool. Um, I'm going to ask you to check my link for Chrome Unboxed and make sure that's going to the right place in the show notes. We'll do. <laughs> Just so we're sending people the right to the right place. Um, before we wrap up for today, did you have any other ideas or thoughts, especially about using, you know, some any additional things that came to mind while we were talking about these as far as ways to use them, you know, particularly in uh, any additional social studies settings or. Um, well, my, I mean, we've talked about right. so many, but I just didn't know if anything else had come up while you know, like popped into your mind. To me, <laughs> yeah, the no big thing is. If you have these tools, it's uh, it's really about can my kids create with them, right? So if mm -hmm. you have, you know, if you know, Tour Creator, My Maps, a Jamboard, these are great. Uh, these are great tools, and it's great you can create all sorts of blended learning with them and do all sorts of nice creative stuff with them. At at the same time. If your kids aren't doing something with them, so maybe not, maybe nothing as far as an extra tool or whatnot, but as far as just the overall approach, okay, great. There's all this technology. It's free, especially if you're a G Suite school. Um, although, honestly, I think any device can get on autodraw.com. Mm -hmm. doesn't, yeah, you don't need to sign in, right? Mobile, whatever it might be. But if you're just go, go with the approach of, all right, I want my kids doing, I want my kids making, that's how they're going to learn. Then you're doing them a service and you're taking advantage of what's possible. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. 
Well, Tom, I just thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today and share all these great ideas. And I have so many tabs open right now. It's (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you are welcome. And I just want to say I am really honored to be here. Uh, I, you know, much like much like you, Chris, I had some wonderful history teachers. And then when I taught history, I think back on some of my colleagues and how great they were and what and um, the, the enthusiasm and the energy. And I think about some of my colleagues at, at work and the things they do day in and day out in their classroom and the idea that somehow I get the opportunity to do something amazingly cool, like being on to- Talking Social Studies. Uh, it's really just a credit to them. And I'm just very grateful for being here today and for being exposed to so many people who've helped me in my career. So thank you guys. So cool. That's awesome. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about everyone working together and inspiring each other and then sharing what we've learned. And that's like kind of the whole purpose of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Standing around outside a room chatting about a cool thing you learned. So next to the stairwell, we're like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome. We're your mobile stairwell. So what we hope that um, everyone has at least gotten something out of here, out of this episode with some ideas you can try with your students. Um, And we'd love to hear from you. Um, Tell us how you've incorporated some ideas from this episode or previous episodes into your teaching and how they've worked. Um, You know, troubles you've had, successes. You can tweet us at at talking talking SS without the G, or you can leave an audio message on our speak pipe. um, And that's at bit.ly slash talking talking SS. Um, and maybe if you're open to it, you could let us know if you're cool with us uh, using the audio on an upcoming episode where you uh, let us know how you've incorporated some of the ideas. We are hoping to be back in your podcast feed soon with episode 24 and another great guest, but we will keep that under wraps until mm-hmm. closer secret, to secret. the time. <laughs> yeah. So we love, we love these, our awesome guests that come on. Thank you again, Tom. And I think we're good. You're most welcome. Thanks again. Awesome. Well, everybody have a great one. See you later.